today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Have you ever heard of the three-step program? I know I've shared it before, but maybe I need to share it again. It would be appropriate at this time. Three-step program. goes like this. You ready? Step number one. Realize you can't. Step two. Know he can. Step three. Wait for it. Here it comes. Let him. Let him. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 1 Thessalonians. God is in the business of forgiving and reconciling. He sent His Son Jesus to earth to die on the cross for your sins. When you acknowledge this to be true, you belong to God forever. After that, as Pastor J.D. reminds you in his message today, there are three steps to take to live a Christian life. Learn them and obey. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. There were days, in fact, we even actually, when our boys were young, we sat them down and we told them, listen, contrary to what you believe, your mom and I do not wake up in the morning and think, oh, yay, I can't wait to discipline our children. I know you think that because we're always disciplining you. We, we don't delight in it, but we do it. Why? Because we love you. If we didn't love you, we wouldn't correct you. It'd be like, yeah, go ahead, juggle knives on the H3. Aloha. I don't care. No, because we care so much, we love you so much, we have to discipline you. But don't you find it interesting that Paul would say that There's this propensity for us to reject God, the very God who gives us the Holy Spirit. Stay with me. Do you believe that it's possible for us, especially in this area of sexual immorality, to not only reject the Holy Spirit, but grieve the Holy Spirit in us, and even worse yet, quench the Holy Spirit? Why? Because we reject. Here the Holy Spirit indwells us to empower us and enable us to overcome sexual sin, and we reject it. See, God's never going to force Himself or His will on us. That's why the Holy Spirit is in us, to do according to His will. I like how one commentator said it. We have been given the Holy Spirit who empowers, listen, the willing, trusting Christian. We have to be willing. We have to yield to the Holy Spirit. Willing, trusting Christian to overcome sexual sin. By His Spirit, God has given us the resources for victory. We are responsible to use those resources. It's up to us. The onus is on us. I have a choice to make. 
Am I going to give in to this temptation, or am I going to yield to the Holy Spirit to empower me so I can overcome this temptation and this sin? I know this might be a firm grasp of the obvious, but there is never, ever, ever a way that we will ever be able to overcome sexual sin in our own strength. And really this applies to every area of our Christian lives. You cannot live a holy life absent the power of the Holy Spirit. Get it? Holy life? Holy Spirit? I mean, the, the Christian to be pitied the most is the one who is trying to live the Christian life in the energy of their own strength. It'll never happen. And yet, we reject the Holy Spirit, grieve the Holy Spirit, quench the Holy Spirit, who's just like going, I, hello, I'm in you. I I indwell you. I empower you. Have you ever heard of the three-step program? I know I've shared it before, but maybe I need to share it again. It would be appropriate at this time. Three-step program. goes like this. You ready? Step number one. Realize you can't. Step two. Know he can. Step three. Wait for it. Here it comes. Let him. Let him. Let him. Yield to him. Trust in him. See, our problem is, it's like, try harder. That's the energy of your own strength. You're trying to live the Christian life in the flesh. It'll never happen. The, The spirit is willing. The flesh is weak. You're going down, baby. It's just a matter of time. So I sin. I shouldn't say I sin. You're looking at me like you did. No, yes, we sin. Okay, that's better. We sin. And then what do we do? What, what, what is our response? Oh Lord, I'm, I'm so sorry. Okay, I, I make a vow. I will never do it again. <laughs> really? Oh my goodness. And by the way, it's not like God's in heaven going, I can't believe you did that again. It's not trying, it's trusting. Trusting in God's grace and forgiveness when I fall, and the Holy Spirit's power so I won't fall. Here's the thing, listen very carefully. We're either going to be controlled by sin's power, or we're going to be controlled by the Holy Spirit's power. It's one or the other, either or. Either I am under the power of the sin, or I'm under the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome the sin. Romans 6.14. Listen, You might be here today or watching online, and this is a very real struggle. In fact, if the truth were known, this is the thing in your Christian life 
that is taking you down and you've struggled for years and you don't think there's a way out to walk into victory, I want to tell you there is. And Romans 6.14 needs to be understood because it's the key to unlocking the prison of sexual sin and walking in freedom. It's the truth. And it's a powerful truth that sets you free. So please listen. This is again what Satan doesn't want you to hear. Okay, Paul writing, listen to what he says, for sin shall not have dominion over you. Here's why. For you are not under law, but under grace. Okay. So what's Paul saying here? What Paul is saying here is that no longer does sin, the condemnation of sin, the guilt because of that sin, no longer does that condemnation from sin dominate you, master you, control you, overpower you, because you're not under the law. You're under grace. When he writes to the Corinthians in his first epistle, chapter 15, verse 56, he says, the power of sin is the law. In other words, <laughs> I sin, I break the law, and then I'm condemned. I'm under the power of the condemnation of the law. In Romans 8, 1, Paul says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Why is that so important? Because if I allow the enemy to continue condemning me, then I allow him to continue to control me under the crushing weight of that guilt and that condemnation. And when that happens, I basically allowed him to build this infrastructure, this superstructure, this prison of guilt and condemnation, which traps me into further sin and domination. And there's no way out. Will I ever have the victory? And it's, <laughs> never underestimate the enemy when he attacks in this particular area. I mean, sex is, is beautiful. God created sex to be enjoyed within the covenant of marriage. And Satan has perverted it and corrupted it. And then when we're tempted, he's like, oh, hey, you can always ask for forgiveness after. And so then you give in to the temptation. Then afterwards, oh, my good, he's right there. I can't believe you did that again. Man, if I were you. I wouldn't go to church because, man, if the people sitting next to you knew. By the way, don't look at the person sitting next to you right now. <laughs> what, are you going to ask God to forgive you again? How many times? You told him you weren't going to ever do that again, and then you did it again. You made a vow. You said, I will never do that, and you did it again. I don't know. I'd, I'd kind of, I think the Lord's had it up to here with you. He has told you till he's blue in the face. No. That's your earthly father. That's not your heavenly father. You have to understand, this again is so important and so key to walking in victory. Before you and I come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, Satan will do everything and stop at nothing to keep us from coming to Christ. 
Then we come to Christ, we get saved, we're born again, and now he shifts his strategy. What's the strategy now? Oh, to distance us from the Lord. How's he going to do that? Condemnation. See, I always know it's the conviction of the Holy Spirit and not the condemnation of the enemy this way. This is the litmus test. Conviction draws me closer to the Lord in repentance. Condemnation drives me further away from the Lord because of my guilt. But wait a minute. I'm not under the law. So the law can't condemn me and Satan can't accuse me. Yeah, but he doesn't want you to know that. Because as long as he keeps you from knowing that and living that and walking in that, he's got you right where he wants you. Because now he can just continue to condemn you. As Roy Hessian writes, in that condition of despair we have little motivation but to commit further sin. Our spiritual situation is so dead and unsatisfying that we feel a further act of sin is not going to make things much worse, so why not? I've already blown it. The most we can hope for in this situation is to try to hide some of the more shameful sins, but the longer we hide sin, the longer it goes on condemning us, and we get more and more under its dominion, domination. Is it not obvious from all this that the real purpose of Satan in provoking us to commit sin is not merely that we might do something unethical, but that when we have done it, it might have the, he might have the opportunity to accuse us. Revelation 12 says he's the accuser of the brethren. That was his whole plan from the very beginning. And then, in that condition, we are rendered powerless. The Christian who has committed an impure act feels himself the next day an utter dog. He does not want to look God or his fellow Christians in the eye. And as for undertaking some spiritual service, he would rather run away and hide. Perhaps we need look no further to what's happening in the Christian family today and the Christian church today. By the way, I went online this morning to Amazon to see if this book was still in print and available, and it is. I really recommend it. It's called Forgotten Factors by Roy Hessian. He says, this is just the result the devil intended when he provoked that Christian to sin. To understand then the true nature of the dominion of sin and what are the devil's intentions in it is the first step into freedom. Oh, what's the first step? Oh, we are now ready to hear the message of grace. The grace of God is the love of God in action toward those who deserve nothing and can do nothing. The law has certainly reduced us to that place, and in doing so has actually made us candidates for grace. Then, further under grace, a new motivation comes to the liberated soul, the motivation of love. 
He that is forgiven much loves much. Hang on to that. I want to come back to that. Under law, there was just no other motivation than fear, the fear of sin and the fear of guilt, which nothing he could do would remove. But under grace, under the shadow of the cross of Jesus, the guilt is gone. The accusations of Satan are silenced. The conscience is made whiter than snow and a mighty new motivation comes into our hearts. The motivation of love for the one who has done all this for us. This motivation leads us to quit the sin and to present ourselves and our member as slaves to the one who has done it all. And with that motivation comes blessed reinforcements of the will from the Holy Spirit who now dwells within us. And the result, the result is holiness. Real, practical holiness. Right here and right now. And the end, everlasting life. You know what this means? Let me explain it this way, and we'll close. Here's how it works. I sin, I'm forgiven, instantly. Don't listen to the enemy. I wouldn't ask for forgiveness right now. I'd I'd wait a few days. You're not getting off that easy. No, it's (laughs) the longer it takes me to get to the cross, the more I give the enemy the power over my life to condemn me. He need not condemn me any longer than it takes me to get to the cross where that sin that I committed again was paid for because He loves me. And see, the one who has been forgiven of much loves much. You know when Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments? My mom used to quote that verse a lot when I was a kid growing up. Only she misquoted it and the... the, understanding of it, because it was, it was like this. Well, he know, if you love me, you would obey me. The implication was, you don't love me, that's why you're such a disobedient child. And I'm like, man, I'm a rotten kid. I love my mom, but why am I so disobedient? That's not what Jesus was saying. What he was saying was this. You show me a Christian who's walking in obedience and purity, and I'll show you a Christian that loves me. You show me a Christian that loves me, I'll show you a Christian that has been on the receiving end of forgiveness. So here's the formula. I'm not much of a formula guy, but this is a true practical formula. Forgiven much equals love much equals obey much. So here's how it works, okay? I'll leave you with this. This is the key to walking in victory. You're going to sin. When you sin, you are forgiven. Get to the cross as quick as you can. I remember years ago when my wife and I were first married, uh, my wife's very competitive, uh, and she would try to beat me to the cross whenever we would have, you know, marital conflict. We don't have marital conflict anymore because we're perfect now as, you know, the pastor. (laughs) 31 years, you know, perfect marital bliss. So anyway, so one time she, she said, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell on you. I'm going to beat you to the cross. I'm going to tell the Lord on you. I'm like, no. no you, I'll, I'll beat you there. I'll, I'll get there first, you know. 
And so one time I was sharing that. This is years ago on the mainland. And from the pulpit I was like, you know, guys, you need to beat your wives. And I paused right there. The worst possible place. And everybody, just the look of horror on everybody's face. And what I meant to say, if I would have not taken a breath right there, was, guys, you need to beat your wives to the cross. You need to get there first. You know, we want to be the spiritual leader with all the good stuff, but we're not going to take the spiritual lead when it comes to something like this. No. I was so convicted, so I just want you to be as convicted as I am. (laughs) So again, here's the key to walking in victory and sexual purity. You're going to sin. You're forgiven. Get to the cross. You're forgiven instantly. There's no waiting period. That's, That's grace. Undeserved. Why? Because He loves you so much. And here's what happens. <laughs> and this is, this is interesting because people go, Pastor, you can't tell people that. You just tell them that they're forgiven. That's going to make them sin more. No way. No way. You know why? No way? I'm going to tell you why no way. Because when you've been on the receiving end of that forgiveness and that love, you don't want to grieve the heart of God, because your love for God is such that you would never want to do anything. That's your motivation. You would never want to do anything that would grieve His heart. I love my wife so much, and I never want to do anything that would hurt her or grieve her. And the same thing is true, even more so with the Lord. I love the Lord, and I've been forgiven of so much. I have been the recipient of His grace so many times. And I just, the motivation is, I don't want to do anything to hurt the heart of my God. That's my motivation. See, if I'm under the law, I'm I'm walking around, you know, white knuckling it, just, oh my God, I said I would never do it again. Oh no, no, no. And and the Lord's like, what what do you, do you think that God was surprised? I mean, He knows the end from the beginning. God's not in heaven going, I can't believe this. How many times did I tell you? No. I love you so much, that's why I sent my only begotten Son to die for you and pay for that sin, that whosoever would believe would be saved and not perish. I mean, do we, do we, believe that? Are we walking in that? That's the truth. And the truth is what sets us free. We're forgiven. He loves us so much. And when you've been on the receiving end of that, I don't want to do anything that's going to hurt the heart of God. First Thessalonians has already given us some great practical advice for living for Jesus. Toward the end of the Apostle Paul's letter, we find a few verses that sum it up well. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That may sound easy enough, but this attitude can be hard to hold on to when you're in the thick of a trial or find yourself being persecuted from all sides. When you're finding it difficult to rejoice and give thanks, you need to dive even deeper into Jesus. Through prayer, fellowship with other believers, and reading the Word, 
You can stand strong in the face of opposition and continue to speak the truth. Can we pray for you as you do this? We love being able to lift up our listeners to the Lord. You can connect with us by visiting our website in spiritandtruthradio.com and click on Contact under the About tab. We'll get in touch with you as soon as we can. You'll also find us on Facebook and Twitter and over on YouTube. Links to all of these are available at our website. We want to encourage you to find and begin regularly attending a church in your area, too. If you're near Kaneohe, come visit us. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions, to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on our website. Again, that's in spiritandtruthradio.com. That website also houses all of Pastor J.D.'s teachings, including his weekly prophecy updates. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for joining us for this in-depth study of 1 Thessalonians on In Spirit and Truth. Oh,